Today on the Matt Wall Show, it is officially time for BLM to be labeled a domestic terror group. I'll make the case for that today. Also, five headlines, including the DNC convention, which was mostly horrifically boring, as you'd expect, except for one incredible moment that I'll play for you. And in our daily cancellation, I'm going to cancel everyone on the left who can't make up their minds about whether women are supposed to be respected or not. I know how I feel about that, but I can't figure out how they feel. We'll talk about that all on the way. But first, let's discuss uh, LifeLock. Look, you need to secure yourself when you're on the internet. Protect yourself. Um, or, or you leave yourself open to the bad guys. And there are a lot of them out there, I'm afraid to say. Here's some troubling news, for example, for uh, companies who utilize enterprise VPN for employees working from home. Over 900 VPN servers at a large enterprise security provider were hacked. Usernames, passwords have been shared on a forum uh, used by ransomware gangs. Enterprise VPN servers are used to give employees secure access to corporate uh, networks. Compromised VPN servers can allow hackers access to a company's entire internal network. And that's why we need to be responsible, protect ourselves. That's what this is about. It's not about being paranoid or preparing yourself for some outlandish thing that'll never happen. No, this is about responding to very real threats that we all face every day on the internet. You know, fact is every day, we put our information at risk on the internet. Good thing there's LifeLock. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats like your social security number being for sale on the dark web. If they detect your information as potentially been compromised, they're gonna send you an alert and, uh, and then you take care of it from there. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock can see threats that you might miss on your own. Join them now. Save up to 25% off your first year. Go to lifelock.com slash walls. That's lifelock.com slash walsh for 25% off. Okay, over the weekend, a BLM activist in Portland told a cheering crowd that the police officers involved in the George Floyd case should have been strangled to death by their umbilical cords as babies. And throughout her deranged rant, she repeatedly intimated that she's ready and willing to shoot cops. All of her violent fantasies and threats were met with vocal approval by the crowd. Take a listen. Your mother's umbilical cord should have wrapped around your neck and choked you just the way you choked George Floyd, you filthy animal. Not only should that umbilical cord should have wrapped around your neck, it should not have wrapped around your neck once. It should have wrapped around your neck Now, this is even more deranged than the BLM leader in Chicago we talked about last week, openly encouraging and defending looting. And in case you didn't hear that, um, I'll just, I'll play it again for you. Listen to this. I don't care if somebody decides to loot a Gucci or a Macy's or a Nike, because that makes sure that that person eats. That makes sure that that person has clothes. That makes sure that that person can make some kind of money because this city obviously doesn't care about them. 
Not only that, that's reparations. That is reparations. Anything they want to take, take it because these businesses have insurance. They're going to get their money back. My people aren't getting anything. So you see, this kind of rhetoric from BLM is very common. And lest anyone make the mistake of taking those violent words from the BLM leader in Portland as empty bluster, it was only hours later that BLM and Antifa activists beat a man unconscious and left him unresponsive on the street. We discussed this yesterday as well, but I'm not quite ready to move on, like much of like the media certainly is anyway. BLM tried to kill a guy in full view of cameras. I think this is a pretty big deal. Uh, so we'll play some of that footage as I continue talking here if you haven't seen it. Uh, the lead up to this latest bit of barbaric violence has come into fuller focus. It appears that the victim attempted to drive away from an angry mob and crashed his vehicle in the process. He was then, quote, detained, not by cops, but by the rioters, some of whom were sporting jackets that ironically said security. Um, they continued to threaten the man, randomly pummel him until one activist ran up from behind, kicked him in the, in the face, and, uh, and sent his head crashing into the pavement. While he lay there unconscious and bleeding, they robbed his truck and continued taunting him. Police were nowhere to be seen throughout this entire incident. Nothing that happened in Portland that night was new. And if they succeeded in killing the victim, and this was attempted murder, that wouldn't be new either. And, you know, in just the first few weeks of rioting, nearly 20 people were killed. We're now approaching three full months of violence and anarchy with no signs of abatement. The rioters have essentially held Portland hostage for weeks. In Seattle, they've made their way into the suburbs where they're terrorizing communities, demanding that residents give up their homes. They caused half a billion dollars in damage in Minneapolis. In Atlanta, they killed an eight-year-old child. And if we zoom out a little bit farther, um, we see that the death of George Floyd was merely accelerant on a fire that had already been burning. Antifa has engaged in open political terrorism for years. Leftist protesters, quote-unquote, have long since been emboldened to flout laws with impunity. Recall the climate activists last year, feels like a million years ago, just last year, periodically shutting down traffic in cities across the country, um, an act that we should always keep in mind is, in fact, illegal, despite how it may seem, given that leftists do do it so often and are never arrested for it. BLM, specifically, has been wreaking havoc and destruction ever since it gained national recognition on the heels of the completely justified shooting of the violent criminal Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri. BLM riots in St. Louis, Baltimore, and elsewhere caused damage uh, years ago, from which those cities still have not recovered. In Dallas in 2016, five police officers were executed during a BLM protest. The point here is that these incidents are not isolated. They are not spontaneous. They don't even have anything to do with George Floyd. This is part of a growing and coordinated movement, a movement explicitly supported by many of the Democrat mayors and governors of these cities and states where this is all happening. And the, and the support goes higher up than that, all the way up to the most prominent Democrats in Congress. As we played yesterday on the same weekend that uh, left-wing activists were dragging a man out of his crashed vehicle and beating him half to death, Representative Ayanna Presley went on MSNBC, called for more unrest in the streets. What we're witnessing is certainly not a protest, and even the word riots doesn't quite capture it. This is a movement, well-funded and supported, to destabilize our society and, th and overthrow our government. It is insurrection. And the insurrectionists are quite clear about that, if only we listen and take them seriously. Fortunately, there's an act for that. President Trump 
should do what he has repeatedly threatened to do and invoke the Insurrection Act to deal with violent criminals who are currently engaged in this coordinated campaign of terror and destruction. We use the military to establish order in cities 10,000 miles away, protecting citizens that are not our countrymen in parts of the world most of us have never been to. If the, if the military can do that over there, they can do it here. And to those of us who came of age in the era of nonstop interventionist war in the Middle East, it seems at first scandalous to suggest that the American military can actually be used to protect American cities, but it can and should. These violent elements will not stop, will not stop until they are made to stop. Only overwhelming force at this point can accomplish that. And it's time for President Trump to do what needs to be done. Months ago, Trump announced that Antifa would be, would be declared a, a domestic terror group. He, he tweeted that. Remember that? What happened with that? What came of it? Why aren't Antifa leaders being rounded up and prosecuted? If you consider them domestic terrorists, which they are, BLM should get the exact same label. BLM is a domestic terror group. It has been using violence and terror to get its message across for years. And as you have heard yourself, its leaders openly justify and advocate for those methods. That is terrorism by any definition of the term. And if somehow a label like domestic terror group still sounds harsh to you when applied to BLM, then I would suggest, first of all, that you get your head out of whatever hole it happens to be stuck in at the moment. And second, I'd ask you to imagine what would have been said about the Tea Party uh, and how the Tea Party would have been treated by Obama if any single one of these violent incidents from a BLM rally had happened at a Tea Party rally. I don't even mean all of them. I mean just one of them. Take one at random. Take just the latest. Imagine a white Tea Party activist kicking a black man until he's unconscious and then imagine other Tea Partiers robbing him while he lay there, bleeding on the pavement, and assaulted his girlfriend or his wife while they're at it. Uh, you can't imagine this sort of thing, really, because it would never, ever happen at a conservative protest. But imagine it anyway. That alone, all by itself, even without the history of arson and looting and the dead cops and the other dead people and the assaults and the leaders talking about strangling babies, even without that, that one incident would be enough to get the Tea Party forcibly disbanded by the government. And we all know that. Yet BLM does what it wants, no consequence, and still even many on the right pretend that it's some kind of legitimate organization with a good and useful message. Well, it's not. And it's time that we start treating it accordingly. Let's go to five headlines. The DNC was last night. Uh, I said yesterday that I'd rather stick my face in a blender than watch it. But fortunately, my blender wasn't working. Well, actually, I got the blender working last night, so I was able to do that instead. Blended the old face. Um, you can't tell the difference, though, due to the fact that I'm uh, hideous. You know. But anyway, I, uh, I didn't watch the DNC. I, I don't care about it. Though there are two clips from the proceedings that uh, I saw that maybe are, are worth playing and responding to. We'll save the second one, the most important one, for the last on the list on the five headlines. But first one, we'll play this. This is uh, Michelle Obama speaking at the DNC, and here's what she had to say. And here at home, as George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and a never-ending list of innocent people of color continue to be murdered 
stating the simple fact that a black life matters is still met with derision from the nation's highest office. Because whenever we look to this White House for some leadership or consolation or any semblance of steadiness, what we get instead is chaos, division, and a total and utter lack of empathy. Empathy. That's something I've been thinking a lot about lately. Now, you know, I actually agree with her that the White House hasn't done nearly enough to address the chaos, as I was just talking about, but I'm quite sure that she would not like my idea for addressing the chaos. I, I, agree, I agree there's too much chaos. More needs to be done. Uh, but I don't think that she'd be in favor of sending in the military, for example, which is what should be done. As for the rest of it, she says that black people uh, continue to be murdered. I agree with that also. And I agree with a lot of this. She's absolutely right. Black people are murdered every day. They are murdered at a, a far more than any other group. They are at a much higher risk of being victims, uh, both of murder and other violent crimes. All of that is true. But the thing that Michelle Obama doesn't mention and that no other Democrat will ever mention is that the vast, vast, overwhelming majority of black people who are murdered are murdered by members of their own race. That's the reality. Um, we can point this out all we want and they'll ignore it. I realize that even so, it must be continually pointed out. We can't tire of meeting these false narratives because if we do, then there's no hope. Then the, the narrative wins and, and that's the end of it. Because the people on the left who, who claim to be concerned about black victims, as we discovered, are really only concerned about a highly specific and limited little sliver of the overall victim category. And you know that's the case for Michelle Obama. But let's go to number two to the opposite of Michelle Obama. Here's uh, someone who really is concerned with black life, all black life, Kim Klasik, congressional nominee in Baltimore. She put out an ad yesterday that, that I think is really spectacular, and it gives a blueprint. Okay, the point here is not just that it's a great ad, which it is, but this is, other Republicans need to look at this, see it as a blueprint. This is how to deal with these sorts of issues. Watch. care about black lives? The people that run Baltimore don't. I can prove it. Walk with me. They don't want you to see this. I'm Kim Klasik. This is Baltimore. The real Baltimore. This is the reality for black people every single day. Crumbling infrastructure, abandoned homes, poverty, and crime. Baltimore has been run by the Democrat Party for 53 years. What is the result of their decades of leadership? Baltimore is one of the top five most dangerous cities in America. The murder rate in Baltimore is 10 times the U.S. average. The Baltimore poverty rate is over 20%. Homicide, drug, and alcohol deaths are skyrocketing in our city. Do you believe Black Lives Matter? I do. The vast majority of crime in Baltimore is perpetrated against black people who make up 60% of the population. So why don't we care about our communities? The Democrat Party have betrayed the black people of Baltimore. If the politicians walked the streets like I do, they would see exactly how their policies and corruption affects us. But they don't want to see it. They don't want you to see this. Yeah. Um as I said, great ad, and this is a, you know, the proof is in the pudding, and this is sort of a, a showing the pudding type of situation. 
Um, because the reality is, as has been pointed out many times, but you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's fine to point it out. That can only go so far. Uh, sometimes you have to show instead of tell, and that's what she's doing here. These cities that have been run by Democrats for decades are in shambles. That's, and when I say shambles, it's like literally, you look at those, you look at those images, and what you're seeing there, you know, someone who's lived around Baltimore, I lived in the Baltimore area myself for many years. I didn't live in the inner city, but um, I've been in, in the city many times. I've driven through it. Uh, and I can tell you for, with my own eyes that what you saw there is not even the worst parts of Baltimore. And I assume because in the very, very worst parts, it wouldn't be smart for her to, you know, walk around. Uh, it wouldn't be safe. So that's like, a few steps up from the worst parts of Baltimore that you saw right there, and it's really, really bad, um, to put it to put it very mildly. And that's a, a simple reality. Baltimore's one example. You see other examples all across the country: Chicago, Detroit, um, even New York now is, and it's getting worse there. So this is all you have to do is show it that this is what happens with Democrat policies. Now let's go, um, all right, speak, a lot of great transitions here, okay? It's all, it's all flowing very smoothly. Speaking of bad Democrat policies, we go to Andrew Cuomo, uh, who directly responsible for the deaths of thousands of elderly people, intentionally exposed them to the virus by sending infected patients into nursing homes. That Andrew Cuomo, just to be specific, is writing a book about his response to the coronavirus, okay? Uh, the, just the, the gumption of this guy. The book is called American Crisis. Let me pull up the press release. It says, Crown, an imprint of Random House Publishing, uh, announced today that the, it will publish American Crisis by Andrew Cuomo on October 13th, 2020, a revealing behind-the-scenes account of his experience leading New York through the COVID-19 epidemic. American crisis is an important chronicle of this unprecedented moment in history, an urgent assessment of the factors that have and continue to impede our national response to a devastating health and economic catastrophe. Uh, you know, a couple of questions come up right away. First of all, how do you have time to write a book right now? You're currently governor. This is usually a thing you do after you've left office, uh, after Cuomo has mercifully been voted out, which, you know, the people of New York, I'm not sure if they're smart enough to actually vote him out. But because he's still relatively popular there, even though he doesn't deserve to be. But after you leave, you write the book. Reflect. He's writing it while he's so he's he's talking about how he's he's handling the pandemic. He's in the middle of all of this, but he's got time to write a book. Uh, and then, of course, on top of all that, it's the fact that he again is directly responsible for killing thousands of elderly people. I wonder if that's going to get a chapter in the book. That's the chapter I would like to read, um, and that's the story. That's the story that I would like to hear about. The chapter on when he murdered, I don't know if it'll be, you know, chapter five, when I murdered a bunch of elderly people. I don't know how he's going to phrase it, but that's, 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 that's the real story from this that we all need to hear about. Um, number four, yesterday, President Trump announced there'd be a, a huge pardon of a really important person. So he made this announcement yesterday. He said someone really important is going to be pardoned. Uh, lots of people were specula speculating, very excited. Who's it going to be? Uh, will it be Joe Exotic? There was, there was that speculation on the internet. Or, you know, it could have been someone who actually deserved to be pardoned because Joe Exotic does not deserve to be. Um, and then today, the big announcement was made about who's getting the pardon. And here is Donald Trump announcing it. 
And I wanted to just add something because this was brought up a week ago, and I was so surprised that it was never done before. Because later today, I will be signing a full and complete pardon for Susan B. Anthony. She was never pardoned. Did you know that? She was never pardoned. What took so long? And you know that she got a pardon for a lot of other women, and she didn't put her name on the list. So she was never pardoned. And we're uh, for voting. That's right. That's right. She was guilty for voting. And uh, we are going to be signing a full and complete pardon. And I think that's really fantastic. Right? She deserves it. That is, that's great, I got to tell you, uh, because, and it, it's good that he really came through, because the thing is, you wouldn't want to announce and make a big deal out of the fact that you're pardoning someone, uh, especially when there are a lot of people out there who really do, who, you know, currently living and uh, are maybe in jail or something, and really do need the pardon. So you wouldn't want to announce that, and then do, for example, some really silly, pointless, symbolic pardon of someone who's already dead. You wouldn't want to do that. So I'm glad that he didn't do that in this case. Uh, Susan B. Anthony is uh, she's been in prison for far too long for this crime, uh, and uh, and so I'm I'm glad that she'll finally be free and she can look return to her family and try to reclaim some kind of life. So I I you know say congrats to Mrs. Anthony on that, and um, you know good luck. Good luck of restarting your life again. And I, I just I just think this is great. Just uh, uh, really, really long, long overdue. All right. Number five, finally, now, now we get to what really matters. Okay, the only important subject of this show, to be honest with you, and certainly the most notable event of the DNC convention last night, which is not a high bar to clear, but there you have it. Uh, this happened apparently towards the end, or at the very end, maybe, uh, to wrap things up at the end of the convention. Fortunately then for the DNC, most people had fallen asleep by the time that this happened. There's something happening here, but it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun. Everybody look what's going down There's battle lines being drawn Nobody's right, everybody's wrong Yeah, I don't... I don't know what that was or why what why how you know well i can figure out the how the house but but the what and why is really the democrat party is seen as the party that has people working for it who 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 know how to connect with the youth of today and they really should have involved some of those people in planning their convention because that i don't know who that's supposed to appeal to appeal to uh, I suppose it appealed to the dude in the video, Billy Porter, who's an actor or something. I'm not really sure what he does. I know that he, he wears dresses to the Oscars. That's sort of his main thing. That's what he does for a living. And then he might have a couple side gigs as well. But when I see that, I tell you what, when I see that, 
it brings to mind something I've been thinking for a while, which is that liberals are kind of, and this is going to sound weird, but liberals are, are, are kind of going the way of Christian rock, Christian movies, Christian entertainment. I don't mean that it's the same sort of content, okay? What you just saw there, you probably wouldn't see that in a Christian music video, but they're making the same mistake that Christian entertainment and the Christian entertainment industry has made uh, in that what they're doing is they're starting to think that a piece of entertainment is good as long as it has the right message. The Christian entertainment industry has been doing this forever. They put out absolutely atrocious material, uh, but horrible production quality. If it's a movie, horrible script, terrible acting, a lot of really bad music. Okay, but they say, well, it's fine, it's good because it gets the message across, and there's an audience out there for it. It's not, it's not as big of an audience as what they could get, but um, there's a certain audience that uh, all they care about is if it has a Christian message, I like it, even if it's terrible quality, I still like it. So, um, but for a long time, what made liberal messaging so effective in entertainment, anyway, is that they actually prioritized artistic quality and entertainment value over the message. They still had the message. They would get the message in there more subtly, but the vehicle for it was a lot sturdier because they were actually paying attention to creating a sturdy vehicle. Recently, though, it seems like they're going the other way. Um, they're putting out movies, songs, stuff like this that's cringy and bad and weird and not good, but it has a message, and so we're supposed to like it. So they're, I, I think they're making a very similar kind of mistake, which, you know, I guess if you're not a liberal, it's good to see them tripping up in this way. Um, good to have some company. It's good that conservatives aren't the only ones making this mistake, finally. Uh, let's go. To, in fact, actually, I was going to go to the daily cancellation, but before we do, there's one other thing, a bonus story. We'll go to number six here. Um, I just wanted to play this for you because I just saw it right before we, we started shooting here. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is planning uh, some sort of movement to uh, help the post office because for some reason we have to prop up the post office. I don't know why. You know, no no one is is out there trying to figure out a way to keep uh, you know companies that sell record players afloat. Okay, no, no one's worried. Radio Shack went under because all they did was sell Walkmans and boomboxes. Uh, nobody was worried about keeping them open, but for some reason we got to make sure that we keep the post office. The reason why the post office is, is suffering is that a lot of people aren't using it anymore because we have more efficient and effective ways of communicating. But now all of a sudden the uh, the left has decided that we got to keep them going. And this is Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez's idea for keeping the post office alive. Listen. I have been thinking about ways to help you help the post office. And I think I've got an idea and I'm interested in hearing your thoughts. So one of the best ways to support the post office is to buy stamps. What do you all think? Would you guys be down and excited if I set up a national progressive pen pal program, um, do all the work of connecting you to somebody else, we would offer maybe some conversation prompts or postcard prompts, and even like a printable postcard format. You just send it out. Uh, would you guys be down? Do you like that idea? A national progressive pen pal program. Speak, this is what I'm talking about. Speaking of not being able to connect with the youth, this, Alex, this is her supposed to be her thing. AOC, this is what she's supposed to do. And this is what she comes up with, a national progressive pen pal program. 
it's like an idea that like my aunt would come up with, right? It's it's like it's like oh your grandmother. Let's have a pen pal program. Uh, but I'm I'm actually really annoyed at uh, Amanda Presta Giacomo at the Daily Wire, another writer at the Daily Wire, because she she had an angle on this that I wish I had thought of, and it really annoys me. But uh, she tweeted, "Is this good for the environment?" Which which is a really really good basic point here. But you, how does this help? How does the post office help the environment? Where you could okay, you want to send a letter to someone, you can just email it, you know, and get it there at the speed of light. But instead, we want to have a, a you know a car, a vehicle with fossil fuels driving it to the post office, and you put it on a plane, depending on where you're mailing it to. Think of all the fuel and all the CO two and how many polar bears we're killing. And but that's that's okay. I mean, we got 11 years. We're gonna we're all gonna be dead in 11 years, and AOC wants to speed up the process so that we can be pen pals, really. All right. Um, Great, great idea there. Let's go to our daily cancellation. Before we do, I want to tell you about our most exclusive membership tier over at the Daily Wire All Access. All Access members get to join All Access Live, our exclusive live stream discussions hosted every night by each of the hosts, including myself. Um, This Thursday, August 20th, we'll be doing a very special live stream, uh, like a watch party, a live stream for the Democrat National Convention's biggest speakers, hosted by none other than I, Matt Walsh. I've been... I've been spending all day talking about how boring and stupid the DNC is and how irrelevant it is. Um, but I'm going to be hosting the watch party because I'm the guy you want. Just so I can tell you the entire time how utterly pointless it is what we're doing. But that's that's really my thing, I guess. You know, um, The stream starts at 8.45, so don't miss the big opportunity to tune in and mock. I mean, watch the final night of the DNC with me. So I'm going to be watching this whole thing. Is that the idea? Oh, my God. Anyway, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so head over to dailywire.com slash Walsh right now to get 20% off all access with coupon code access. Uh, that's dailywire.com slash Walsh. Why did I agree to this? I don't know why I agreed. They asked me. They did ask me. I'd, I'd be fair. They did say, did you want to do it? And I said, yeah, I don't know why. I, I don't know what I was thinking. Dailywire.com slash Walsh with coupon code Walsh to get 20% off your membership. How long is it? Is it like two hours? Two or three hours? Okay, let's go to our daily cancellation. Today for our daily cancellation, I'm going to be performing another exciting fan favorite, the reverse cancellation. Now, this is usually the move where people are trying to cancel me, but in one graceful yet devastating maneuver, I spin around and cancel them instead. Today's cancellation will be like that, except it's an even rarer double reverse cancellation by proxy. What that means in this case, uh, I will be reverse canceling not people who tried to cancel me, but who tried to cancel someone else, namely Rush Limbaugh. Uh, the cancel mob came for Rush Limbaugh yesterday, as they have countless times, of course, over the past 30 years or whatever whatever it is. Um, what they were angry about this time is that Rush Limbaugh called Kamala Harris uh, a, quote, ho, and said she was a, quote, mattress for the man she had an affair with years ago in order to jumpstart her political career. Now, the really interesting point about Rush saying these things is that he didn't say these things at all. In fact, the left claimed that he did, but once again, it was fake news. Rush merely read some news stories about how other people had said this stuff and were facing backlash. Uh, he didn't even say that he agreed with it. He just read it. So that could be the end of this cancellation. They made up a fake story about Rush, slandered him, lied repeatedly, et cetera, and so forth. Just another Monday for our friends on the left. But this cancellation goes deeper than that. Um, let us for a moment leave aside the fact 
that Rush didn't actually call Kamala a hoe or accuse her of sleeping her way to the top. Let us pretend that he did say those things, not because he was reading a news report, but because those were his own opinions that he was expressing. And in, in fact, when I first heard about this controversy, I was duped myself. I fell for it. I thought he did say it, but I was so busy not caring about the outrage that I, I never checked to see if, it, if the outrage was based on anything that had, you know, actually happened. Um, and it turns out it isn't. But as I said, let's pretend that it is. Or in fact, we could just work. We can go with the reworked narrative from the media once it was revealed that the first narrative was bunk. They kind of reworked it. And now the headlines like here in the Daily Beast, it says that Russia, Russia perhaps didn't call uh, Kamala a, a hoe or say those things about her, but he did quote, amplify, quote, misogynistic smears. He amplified them. Okay. Well, whatever the case, what a strange dichotomy. Leftists are claiming to be horribly outraged and horribly offended by the accusation that a woman slept around, used sex to get ahead, was, quote, a hoe. Yet it was less than a week ago that many of these very same people were celebrating the empowering feminist anthem from Cardi B that expressly encourages women to do and be all of those things. The song begins and ends with a man shouting the word whore, and we're meant to see the word in a positive light in the context of the song. The women in the song are taking ownership of it. They proudly wear the label. So what's the problem? Even if Rush did say it, I thought it was empowering. I thought it was a compliment. Sure, he wouldn't have said it as a compliment, but who cares? If you see it as, a, as, a, as, a, as positive, if you see a certain trait as positive and someone points it out in a negative way, why would you be offended? I personally like being tall. So if someone who doesn't like tall people came up to me and said, you're tall, I wouldn't be offended or upset in the slightest. You know, I, I, I'm, I know how I feel about who I am. I'm happy for you to notice. I would say thank you. The left here wants to reserve the right to be offended by so-called sexist smears, even while taking ownership of those smears and claiming that they're not smears at all because they're good. So they say, you know, XYZ is good, and then a man comes along and says, you're an XYZ, and the left recoils, how dare you? This just doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. This is the trick the left tries to pull all the time, though. They want at once to reserve the right to tell certain people that they can't say a certain word or make a certain accusation, while at the same time encouraging the targeted group to live out the word, to be it, to embody it, to say it, to proclaim it. Uh, they do this with men, too, by the way. They tell men to reject their masculinity. But if you were to go up to a man and, to, and, and call him emasculated and effeminate, um, they would accuse you of a horrendous slur. How so? I thought you said it's good for men to be effeminate. As for women, what's worse, I ask? To call a woman a whore as an insult or to try to convince young women to actually be that? The first is rude. The second is downright sinister and certainly far, far, far more harmful to society and especially to women. So this really goes back to the old maxim about how um, you can't expect people to respect you if you don't respect yourself. The feminist approach for years has been to demand respect for women from everyone except women themselves. They want everyone else to respect and recognize a woman's femininity and dignity, even while working outright to relegate feminine dignity to the societal ash heap. But again, you can't do this. It doesn't work. Either being a, quote, whore is bad, or it's not. I say it's bad. Either women's bodies should be respected, or they shouldn't. I say they should. Either women should not be objectified, or they should. I say they should not. The left and feminists and pop stars all want to answer those questions conditionally, intentively. 
tentatively and change the answer depending on who is asking. But that's just another way of being a hypocrite. And for that, they are canceled. Canceled, canceled. All right. And we will leave it there for today. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. AOC wants you to cut down more trees. Joe Biden raps with Cardi B and a major new development in the Obamagate scandal. We'll get to all of it. I'm Michael Knowles. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.